this is not my first rodeo any longer, Chris Cochran. Mm-mm. Not my first rodeo. Not going to bait me into saying something stupid. You've been That's in plenty be- of saddles. <laughs> I've been in plenty of saddles. I have a Jimi Hendrix quote to, to open up this this episode. Was it his final words? It is not. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for bringing us down. <laughs> Music doesn't lie. If there is something to be changed in the world, then it can only happen through music. I believe that is mm, true. I agree with that. I believe that is true. Uh, this is the greatest song you never heard podcast where we aim to bring some music that you've never heard and it might change your world because you can change the world one person at a time. Yes, you can. And we are doing that almost literally. And I think music can play a role in that. I've been, again, I've been watching this Beatles documentary again. Yep. Um, I remember watching, uh, there's a really cool documentary that was on PBS maybe 15 years ago about um, the, the period of time where um, John Lennon and Yoko Ono did the love-in in Toronto. They stayed in a hotel room. Right. Um, and, and I remember watching it and thinking, this guy's an idiot. Yeah. All you need is love. No, it's way more complicated than that. And then the older I get, the more I realize he kind of was right. I can't tell you how often I say that to people mm. when we're talking about the crap that's going on in the world. Yeah. And I say, I think the Beatles got it right. All yeah. you need is love. Yeah. I can't tell you how often I said that. Really? I'm serious. A, mm. a lot. And uh, and then if you want to go biblical and, and say love is Jesus, mm-hmm. how often that is said in the Bible. Yeah. Right. I, so when we want to simplify things, it really is as simple as, as getting down to love. Yes, it really is. Uh, but I will say this, is this normal? Hell no. That's what we're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> that was not even scripted. Do it's tell called, us about this. This is fantastic. It's called air whale hell. It's from Anchorage brewing. Uh, and it is a barrel aged mm. Imperial stout, uh, fermented, and aged mm. in whisk Missouri oak, Man. finished on Thai bananas, Tahitian vanilla, and Clatch coffee. Ah, it is really, really good. It's a meal. It is a meal. A meal in and of itself. And today brings us a little bit of, I don't know, for me, a little sad news. Melancholy even. That's why I brought this beer. It's special. Oh. It's even got wax top on it the whole bit. Yeah, it took us a half hour to get through that wax to get to the cap. <laughs> um, this is the last time we'll be recording in the same room for quite some time. That's true. We don't know what that time is. That's true. But it's going to be Could longer. be two weeks, actually. <laughs> well, <laughs> it could be two weeks um, if things don't quite work out the way they're oh, supposed to. Oh, I because my house is going to sell and I'll come back. to. Oh, well, the- that could be. That yeah. could be. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah, but it hasn't yet. So at, as far as we know, this is the first time, the last time, that we'll be able to stare at each other and mock each other Mm. during the course of a song that's true everyone might know and you're going (laughs) how could you play that you're making me cry phil well i didn't mean to do that i do want to say something though um the marvelous miss Maisel. yes you know that show yes it's a really good show and daniel's on it right they're shooting the show now and daniel glass is going to play a part in that show wow and so listen back uh it's um Oh, I can't remember the name of the song, but it was off the album Bam uh, from Daniel Glass. And, Great song. Yep. And it he is the drummer in one of the 
scenes or whatever, Mar- Marvelous Ms. Maisel, which is set, I believe, in the 40s anyway. Uh, 50s. 50s. Yeah, 50s in New York. Yeah, great show. Just an unbelievable show. I love the show. And, and a lot of swearing, but if Shelley can get through it, you know the show's even that much better. <laughs> it's a, it's, it is a fantastic show. Are you ready today, Phil? I was going to say, speaking of fantastic, rocked? oh, I, I can't decide if I want my world to rock or roll. Well, today's song will do probably neither. Okay. Uh, however, today's song will be a throwback. Will it, be, will it change the world? It might, okay. actually. It very well could in some ways. Uh, today's song is a throwback to a previous song I played uh, and brought to the table. And uh, you may, you're, well, I'm just going to leave it at that. How's that? No, I want you to spit it out. So I do want to preface this song today. Um, there are certain works of art that stand up whether or not you agree with the artist's perspective. And I don't mean like their like painting perspective, like but like their life perspective, right? Okay. So when you think about, um, I was listening to, um, I've been listening to a lot of Beatles, but Helter Skelter. Okay, yeah, uh, actually, I just listened to that myself. Right, and that recently. song was like adopted and co- like co-opted by Marilyn, Ma- or not Marilyn Manson, uh, Charles Manson. Right, Marilyn's you, brother. Right, you may disagree with Charles Manson, but still be able to enjoy that song, right? right? And you may look at the Sistine Chapel and go. Well, I don't believe in this whole God thing, but like, that's pretty amazing, right? Right. Or the Statue of David or any other number of things, right? Right. So if you are a listener, uh, I want you to go into today's uh, song with that in mind, that a beautiful work of art, you don't have to agree with the perspective of the artist in order to appreciate the work of art that it is. I can't wait. And by the way, I've met Marilyn Manson. You did? The lead singer, yeah. Really? Yeah. Outside the Brooklyn restaurant in Seattle, Washington. Really? Yeah. Wow. I have so many questions about breast implants and a lot of other things. <laughs> well, he's wearing a long trench coat. Does that surprise you? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you met Marilyn, not Charles, because we wouldn't be here if that were the case. That's very true. Speaking of, let's go to today's This Week song. Could not grasp love this profound. We subdued it with faith. 
This is a <clears throat> really heavy song. <laughs> that is a heavy song. And and not, I mean, on multiple levels. Yeah. It's it's just a heavy song. It's a it's a song that's got weight. It's a song that if you put a song and and said here carry this song yes. down the block, you you would be. It would take you a month to get there. Well, and it's like I don't know if I've got the strength. Mm. It's a heavy song. Yes. One of the things I noticed, and it carried through the entire song, was the lyrics. I don't know if this is by design. Uh, came in. To where the it was hard to hear through the music, mm-hmm. um, and by your response, it seems like maybe that was by design. I think it might have been. Um, I'm not a fan of that because I do want to hear the lyrics. Right. Uh, again, I'm musically driven. I love the music, but I want to hear the lyrics. And it seemed like the the music was overbearing to the to the the words, which I was disappointed and a mm. little frustrated. Also sounds like Bowie to me. Mm, it does sound a little bit like Bowie, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and when you said it's a throwback, this or that, I'm like, I wonder if you just slide a little David back in. Uh, so there is that. Um, I love the major to minor progression. Mm-hmm. I all I'm a sucker for it. When he went to the the major and then uh, diminished to the minor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, there's just a psychological thing about that. That uh, I mean, it's something used all the time when writing music. Um, the the lyrical rhyming was fantastic. Mm-hmm. This is great. This song has great lyrics. Yes. Two lines that stood out. Brick and mortar theology. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a great line. I To me, these are the little lines that build a really good song. Well, no, think about the, the rhythm of brick and mortar theology like how do you figure that out right like the line itself is fantastic but to fit that in right i mean we're talking uh people like paul simon and i will say billy joel that that are really good lyricists yes that just build off uh and and you talked about this before lazy lyrics piss you off they absolutely do there's nothing lazy in these lyrics no these are fantastic the other one is a cloak of darkness and light adorned which uh, is used often in the song. Again, I love the the asymmetry of that line mm-hmm. in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, those are my notes. <laughs> I'm guessing the song is either Beautiful Mystery or This Beautiful Mystery. It's This Beautiful Mystery. Okay. And um, it is really, really a heavy song. I felt compelled to bring With this, this song. With this beer, it's super yes. heavy. <laughs> I felt compelled to bring this song because last week I had, or two weeks ago I did a song that didn't have any depth of the lyrics, but the music was very good. And I felt compelled to bring this song uh, because it is very lyrically heavy. One of the craziest parts about this song is, as I was, I, in fact, I made my own note as I was listening yet again. Yeah. Um, he uses the word approbation. Approbation. How many people even know what that word means, and yet he's using it in a song lyric? Right. Which there are people that say you shouldn't do that. You, I would totally uh, disagree with right? that. Right. Um, so we are both in the world of digital, this and that, and blog posts and blah, blah, blah. They say, write a blog post to the fourth grade level. I, I hate that. Yeah. But they, they say that's the best way of reaching people, which is really disconcerting when you think of our audience and but our communi- society as a fourth grade communicating level. Communicating thoughts and idea through prose, like, like blog posts for, especially for a business. 
I would agree with that. When you're creating fourth grade, man. When you're creating art, yeah. Use the biggest freaking words you can find. Well, that are appropriate. Yes. That are appropriate to the song, to the music. Yes. Uh, and in this case, uh, you're right. It, if someone picks up on that word. Yes. And they're like, oh, what the hell does that word even yes. mean? Yes. And then they go and they look it up. And now that one word grew into this description of that whole line even more, right? So funny that you mentioned that because yeah. um, this this gentleman is one of my all-time favorite lyricists. And and to the place where I support him on Patreon. Oh, like wow. I give him money every month on Patreon. Would you consider him um, blind to his limitations? But, <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm enamored by these The lyrics, lines. Are, aren't they? Yeah. I'm My favorite really, line in this can whole... Can you, when you post this song on on the website... Yeah. Can you put the lyrics? Sure, sure, sure. We should maybe start doing that a little bit more. Well, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, because this is worthy of that. Yes. Maybe not three weeks ago. Don't do that, my, but this one. My favorite line in this song, or my favorite like stanza in this song is he said, when we could not grasp love, love this profound... We subdued it with a thorny crown, mm. whipped it into shape and nailed it down, sealed the exit from the burial ground. So I, if you just take that line as those those lines as they are, yeah. and this is what I was talking about at the beginning about art, and it doesn't matter what your your religious beliefs are or anything else. Right. That's masterful use of the English language to, to present something that's not beating you over the head with it, right? I, it really is. I, I mean, you could nitpick... And say, well, of course you can come up with profound and down and crown and ground. But you the trick is to use it perfectly within the context me, of the song. Let me give you a better example. Okay. Oh, another example, I should say. Yeah. This same gentleman wrote a song called Buffalo Hills. Okay. The song is about his, um, like, I think at the time he was like a nine-year-old son playing baseball at a baseball field in Southern California called Buffalo Hills. Mm -hmm. Let me read these words to you. Yeah. Here's God disguised as men in dark shirts and masks. In the center of a galaxy, I breathe bright stars and planets. Sun dips to kiss the earth. My angel makes a play at first on the Buffalo Hills. Wow. And, and, and my favorite... When you favorite, know that's written about his son. Right. That's just so cool. And even the line, here's God disguised as men in dark shirts and masks, referring to... The umpires. The umpires, yeah. right? It's those the kinds of things, and my favorite, favorite, favorite line from him, and I think about it every time it rains after it hasn't rained for a long time. Like he yesterday. Wrote, <laughs> yeah. He wrote a song called Grace is the Smell of Rain. Oh, it does smell so good, doesn't yes. it? Yes. It's you like can't... the rain washes away all the shit. And I've, I guarantee you, you'll never smell that smell right when it first starts raining and not think about Grace is the Smell of Rain. And it's it's he is to my in my mind one of the most masterful lyricists of a generation. Would you tell us who that I is? I will. Um, a few weeks ago, I played a song for you from the band The Lost Dogs. A couple yes. of songs from The Lost Dogs. Yeah. Uh, Terry Taylor uh, is one of the founding members of The Lost Dogs. They are the like Christian music version of the Traveling Wilburys. He actually, <laughs> I think I've heard of them. He started a band in 1974. Five uh, in Southern California called Daniel Amos and was their lead singer and songwriter. They went through a couple iterations figuring out who they were. Their first two albums are very like Almond Brothers, Country, mm. Flying Burrito Brothers, like okay. very, a lot of brothers. Um, <laughs> and they, they, that was kind Brother, of their sound. Brothers in Arms. And in 1981 or so, they switched and became this new wave band. And they 
turned into a prolifically good new wave band, mm. like like on par with anything you've ever heard. It's from almost the new an wave oxymoron era. to say a, a really good new wave band. It's so well crafted and so masterful, and every lyric is this quality. Uh, so Terry Taylor is now seventy two years old. Oh wow! Uh, he released uh, right before COVID. He started uh, a Patreon page. And he had moved, he'd lived his entire life in Southern California. You may have heard Terry Taylor. Um, let me look it up while we're sitting here. He actually did a bunch of music for Terry Scott Taylor. He did wrote all the music for a Nickelodeon show. <laughs> really? Yeah. He's um, trying to remember which one it is. Uh, he sounds like the Oingo Boingo guy who's always doing. Uh, yeah, very similar. I can't think of it. Will you please tell me his name? The Angle Bongo guy. I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> we'll both look this Terry up. This Scott is a great Taylor, radio. American songwriter, blah, blah, blah. Con- oh, uh, Cat Scratch. There was a, a Nickelodeon show called Cat Scratch. He made money off that for years and years. Um, Danny he, Elfman is, by the way. Danny Elfman, that's go. who it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I should know because Pee Wee's Big Adventure is my favorite movie of all time. And Danny Elfman did the score for that. Really? Yes. He's done the score for like almost everything. He also did the score for... Uh, it's, if you want the Pee Wee's Big Adventure soundtrack, it's a double album. It's it's like two sides of an album. One side is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The other side is Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, my God. Both Danny Elfman movies. Wow. Um, He's amazing. So Terry Taylor's 72 years old. He has done a bunch of stuff in film, television, that kind of thing. But his big claim to fame was the band Daniel Amos. Um, who he did a lot of work with, wrote a lot of their lyrics, wrote these incredible songs. Um, one of their albums is called Calhoun. It's in my, my Desert Island discs. It was until I heard this. Right before COVID, he started writing, like like the word prolific doesn't amount, like doesn't actually capture it, writing and recording songs at a rate of five to six new songs a month. Oh, wow. And, and, and for just for some context, people who have never sat down to write a song. Right. I mean... What you're hearing, wherever you are hearing it, is the finished product of likely months and months and months, if not years. Yes. Of, like we brought up Daniel Glass, right? Yes. That song took 20 years to write. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, not every day for 20 years, but sometimes these things just take forever. When you're writing five to six songs and recording them per month. Yeah. Uh, that's that's when I started supporting him on Patreon because he right. started recording these. He called them the the bedroom demos, mm. um, and he would every month release an EP with four to five songs on it. Uh, and some of these, that song was one of the songs that he released in one of those months. And what's really interesting about it is he realized that he was getting an albums full of like re- original songs that were like worthy to publish. Sure. So he starts putting them down like. He started a Kickstarter campaign. I was supporting him. I still do. I pay him like 10 bucks a month and I get a, an EP from him every month. And Christmas time, I get Christmas songs, other ones. Um, but the cool part about it is he started realizing he had an album worth of material. Right. Goes into the studio and creates a double album. So this album is called uh, The Beautiful Mystery is mm-hmm. the name of the album. And there are actually... And the song, right? Correct. Okay. There are 20 songs on this, 21 songs on this album. Wow. And all of them are that quality uh, of, of lyrics and songs. And, and some of them are a little tongue-in-cheek. Um, he has one called... Uh, where is it? i got to find it here. It's called... Uh, dang it. Uh, High Tech Tribulation Force is the name of the song. And I won't, I won't play it for you, but um, 
let me let me read you the first couple lines. The yeah. Lamb of God is now an action figure. With one pierced hand, he pulls the trigger. As he texts his thoughts on Skype and Twitter, he's big and bad with six-pack abs, barbed wire tat, reversed ball cap. With his bill in back, he's a real go-getter. And at one point he says, he'll be back like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. That the, the whole album is amazing. Is, it's so funny. It's a really funny tongue-in-cheek song. Um, but the whole album with is... With a pierced finger or pier... With one pierced hand, he pulls the trigger. Trigger, I... I mean, again, taking one yep. with one pierced hand, he pulls the trigger. Those eight words yes. in that line yes. that encompass a huge part of society in a sense. It, yes. And wow. so the name of the song is called, or the name of the album is Beautiful Mystery. It's on iTunes. You can get it. Okay. Um, I actually paid the 50, 60 bucks, I think it was, to support the Kickstarter campaign for this album. Right. I'm getting it on vinyl as well. That kind oh, of stuff. good. This song, this album, when it was released, went on repeat for me. And I listened to it like exclusively for the better part of a month. That's all I listened to. Just 21 songs. Yes, over and over It's nice and to over. have 21 songs. Uh, because you, it takes time to get through that too, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and it's such a good album. It's one of those albums, I, like I said, if you want a masterclass on lyrics, this album is there regardless of how you feel about his religious beliefs. It is a masterclass on lyricism and fitting it in with, and you may not even like the production, it doesn't really matter, but it is just a masterclass on writing yeah. profound lyrics. Um, the guy's name is? Terry Scott Taylor. I got the Taylor part right. Uh, and then um, that's Terry Scott Taylor. And He's 72 years old, and I was reading an interview, and he said, they said, why are the 21 songs? And he goes, I'm 72 years old. I may never do this again. Yeah. That's it. But he's still writing. Oh, yeah. He's still writing. He's still writing. Yeah, good for him. What yeah. year did this come out? Uh, it, about six months ago. Oh, wow. It's a 2022. 2022. Wow. Yes. Look at you, Chris. Yep, 2022. How do you know this hasn't made the top 40? The charts <laughs> that everybody's ever heard. nobody knows who Terry Scott Taylor is. <laughs> oh, my god! But gosh. it's another great example, too, though, of the fact that democratization of music has ha occurred. And Terry Scott Taylor made this album based on his fans giving him money to do so because they wanted something from him. And he ended up moving into to Portland uh, right before COVID to be closer to his great to his granddaughter. Uh, and and I totally understand that. Well, of uh, course. And um, he actually um, started writing in his bedroom. He was staying with his son and he was writing in his bedroom. And that's what started this whole process. And that's why I started following him on Patreon so I could get his monthly EP. That turned into a Kickstarter program, which turned into this whole thing. The album work on this is always beautiful. Everything about it is just fantastic. Uh, does he bring political views on his music as well not, because that one line that you read seems like it could be a political not really statement. It's, it's no not okay. really and and from what i can see from him too he's very balanced in his political views he's he's not the right you mean super, logical yes he's not like <laughs> uber right wing or uber left wing down um, to earth yeah he he's like he's kind of an old school hippie guy who believes we should be taking care of each other ah oh, go figure but not the government's responsibility. Him. I mean, I, my, what I gather is, but not. But he's also super well read, like like super well read. There's another song on here called uh, "From the Case Files of C. Augustine Dupin," which means something in the literary world. I didn't know what it means. Yeah. But it's a whole thing. Of, it's a, a like an allegory of these famous authors running into each other on the street and having conversation about philosophy and like it is just it's incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. Well, this is. 
you have brought the thunder to this episode mm. lyrically. Um, I had to make up for the week. I had weak lyrics. No, but the music was good. <laughs> so you combine those two. Yes. Because actually the music is fine on this. I just thought it was overbearing. You couldn't hear. Uh, these are lyrics that are worth hearing. Yes. So uh, production wise, uh, if if you can just tone down the, the, the music right. and bring the lyrics up so we can hear. But again, it could be a design thing. And, and who who's to tell an artist what he should or should not do? Right. You know, yeah. and, but we want you to tell us what we should and shouldn't do. That we is may, true. We may not do it, but we want to know what yeah. you think by going to Twitter, which is at G S Y N H. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest song you never heard on Facebook. And of course, the greatest song you never heard dot com. Uh, lay a comment on us. We love to hear them. We really do. Yeah, absolutely do. And so uh, do you have to approve uh, all comments on the website. I think I I do just for a safe key because yeah, otherwise no, you get a bunch of spam. Yeah, that's that's very smart. So uh, that's behind the scenes look at the greatest song you never heard. Mm. But mm-hmm. if you want to hear uh, everything in front of the scenes, the greatest song you never heard. And we will see you next week when we will sound different because we'll be in different parts of the world. That's true. We'll see you next time on the greatest song you've never heard podcast. <laughs>